The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with return guest, good friend, Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Lee, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure to be here. Uh, We are going to talk today about the latest version, the revised, updated, and excellent version of Visible Expert. It's called the Visible Expert Revolution, available on Amazon, probably available at the Hinge Marketing website as well. Yes, no? Uh, Yep, but we will link you to Amazon, but yes, wherever you want to go. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I had an advanced copy, so I've I've read this. We're going to be talking about it today. The Visible Expert Revolution by Lee, his partners, Liz Haar and Carl Feldman. It's a great book. So uh, let's start with this. Give people a little background on Lee and Hinge, please. Okay. Well, uh, I am one of those um people who's had multiple careers. I've started out life as a behavioral psychologist, but have devoted my life to really marketing professional services. Uh, And Hinge is a firm that focuses on branding and marketing for professional services firms exclusively. And we do a lot of research on it. So it's, we take a full research-based approach. Okay. And during all of this research, you stumbled across the power of experts, of thought leaders, and it evolved into your Visible Expert program and the first edition of the Visible Expert, which I have used for nine years now, came out in 2014. So I used it uh, as part of my uh, curriculum reading when I was teaching graduate school at George Washington University. I recommend it to uh, people that I mentor. What precipitated the first book, please? Well, uh, I think the the first book was really based on our research and our understanding that the primary thing people were choosing in professional services is they were choosing expertise. They were looking for expertise to solve their problem, to solve their issue. But then in the interim, we've learned a lot about the process and how to make it more efficient and about how the most successful visible experts really do it. And, and frankly, you know, the world has changed in these last nine years, Mark. There has uh, never been in my recollection and research a time when there's been a greater demand for understanding for the ability to uh, use experts to help you understand your topic area. So there's a growing need. And at the same time, we've had this whole COVID thing where now it's not unusual to work with someone remotely. You do not need to live next to an airport to be an expert. Uh, you, uh, You can work with your clients from anywhere. And that combined with Uh, all of the changes in how clients go about looking for services, i.e. online, using social media, so forth, 
that's really created a, a great opportunity for a lot of firms. Uh, and, you know, some costs for some that if they aren't mindful of what's happening in the marketplace, they may be left behind. Yeah, being left behind is, is not something that I, I uh, enjoy. Uh, so I try to stay current in my niche as well. So I know that this book has been in the works for a while because you interviewed me for it over a year ago now. Right. And before that, the the research had been ongoing anyway. So let's take a dive into what it's all about. So first of all, why would someone want to become a visible expert or why would a company want to evolve visible expertise in an area? Right. Well, I, I think from the perspective of an individual expert, it's a matter of developing your career and creating your uh, both your earning potential. But I think almost more importantly than that, uh, it, it allows you to really develop your expertise within an area and develop your professionalism to its highest level. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing like a visible expert, someone who is well known within their field for their particular area of expertise. That really becomes a pinnacle of many people's careers. So from the point of view of the expert, there's plenty of reasons for career development, for income, so on and so forth. But interestingly, the, uh, the firms that they work for have a couple of additional motivations. One of the things we know is that uh, visible experts really help bring in business to firms. And they help the, the visibility and the strength of that firm's brand. So you're, you're building your brand. But one of the things that we've learned that uh, is a relatively new uh, finding is how important this can be in terms of recruiting and retaining uh, employees, which uh, again, in some of the professional services, this is a growing and, and really critical problem. And firms are looking for how can we get that best talent? And there's nothing like having a visible expert program within your organization and having multiple visible experts to really attract top flight talent and retain them. So uh, firms have additional reasons on top of the reasons that an individual has for uh, really promoting the whole concept of visible expert. Okay, so tangible benefits would include, uh, you know, uh, a healthier pipeline, attracting employees. What uh, what else here? Easier to close business. Okay. Uh, what they say is that uh, uh, oftentimes when clients come to me, they already know what I want. They know how I work. Uh, they know what's important to me. So it's very easy for me to close business. Uh, and we hear that over and over, that uh, they're coming to you for the expertise that you have. So it makes it very easy to do that. Uh, the other thing that happens is there is kind of a, an association that happens. Uh, it's called the halo effect. In other words, if I think uh, Mark Amtower is a real cool guy, then the people he works with or the organizations he's affiliated with, I'm more likely to think they're pretty cool too. And that's how uh, you can really leverage uh, even a small number of visible experts 
to really increase the value of your overall organization and how it's seen in the marketplace. Okay. So um, you're preaching to the choir with me. I, I've been striving to stay uh, at or near the edge of what works in government marketing for going on. Uh, well, let's not think about how long it's been a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> Low these so, many years. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so I started my company in 85, do the math. Um, <laughs> so levels of visible expertise was something that, that really jumped out at me too. Mm-hmm. What, what are yeah. these? Well, there, there's five different levels of expertise that we've been able to kind of isolate. On one end, you have what we, we call the resident expert. And this is the person who is known within their firm and maybe to some of the clients they work with that this person really knows this topic area, but they're not necessarily known outside of their firm or outside of the people who work with them immediately. Now, even that level of expertise is very valuable to a firm and and to an individual, but it, it escalates from there all the way to the other end which is an international superstar. This is someone who is well-known, not only within their industry, but sometimes awful outside that industry uh, in other areas. And, uh, you know, we all know people or we've heard of people like this, the, you know, the Steve Jobs, the Warren Buffetts of the world, those people who not only influence their industry, but have influence beyond there. Now, between there, then there are three other levels uh, that are sort of increasing the reach of the, your visibility, the number of people that know you, and the breadth of what you're known for. And uh, what we find is that as soon as you start to go outside of just knowing within your immediate circle of people who work with you, that's when you really start to add the value to the uh, to the organization and to the individual. So uh, by the time you're a level two or a level three, you're really starting to bring in business uh, to create a brand that uh, is really important and to uh, add some sustainability to your career. Cool. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Lee and I shall return and continue this discussion right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Lee Fredrickson. He is the author, co-author of The Visible Expert Revolution with Elizabeth Haar and Carl Feldman. The book is available immediately on Amazon. I suggest you get it. It's going to help any business regardless of what you do. So uh, we didn't wrap up quite uh, on the, the last topic. So there's levels of earnings that change with each level of visible expertise. Could you uh, outline that for us, please? Yeah. What we did, Mark, is we looked at uh, the earnings of individual experts according to what level they were at. And what we found out was even at the lowest level, level one, Uh, the potential, uh, the expectation of clients is that it will cost them probably almost twice as much for that kind of an expert as it would for someone who's not an expert. 
that's sort of your starting level at level one. Well, when you get to level five, it's somewhere between 800 and 1300 fold increase over what they would pay for an average professional. And what some of the quotes of some of the clients who are uh, engaging level five experts is, well, you know, at that level, it doesn't matter whatever it takes to get the expert because they're working on such an important problem for us that uh, this is really key. So uh, what we see is this a tremendous acceleration of earning potential for an individual and for their uh, client. I mean, we had a client fairly recently where we installed a visible expert program and to elevate some of their experts, and they were able to increase their billing rates across the board by 20% in one fell swoop with no fallout and no reduction in business. So that gives you some sense for the power of uh, you know, having visible experts. And that was with companies they're already working with? with That they were already working with. Okay, so the likelihood is they could bump that up a little more for new companies. Indeed. I like when that happens. Yeah, it's a good thing to know. <laughs> yeah, so we're kind of walking through the book chapter by chapter, in case you're wondering out there in, in Podland or Radio Land, wherever you're listening there's four steps to becoming a visible expert. So let's get a little granular on these. What's step one, please? Well, the first one is really a dedication to growing your professional expertise. Uh, you can't be a visible expert unless you're an expert. And so, you know, being an expert in any topic these days requires, you know, an ongoing commitment. Uh, you can't just, uh, regurgitate what everyone else is saying within an area. Uh, you can't just use rely on best practices. You have to have some dedication to really increasing your expertise over your career. And uh, I think when you talk to most visible experts, they have a love of their subject matter. Uh, they develop a, a true interest in it. And uh, as you become more and more involved in everything. Uh, many of these topics are tremendously interesting to people uh, when you get into what's really happening within an area, but you have to have that dedication. Otherwise you can't really be an expert. I agree. You know, the passion can be contagious with the right audience. So mm -hmm. if, if you're that professor that's working with the notes that are written on papyrus and you haven't changed them for 40 years and you have a monotone, you may be an expert in, you know, hieroglyphics, but nobody's paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, so having and displaying, sharing your passion for the subject is something when you and I get going uh, in our private conversations, we can really just geek out on this stuff. Mm -hmm. So step number two, please. And which is really, uh, you, you've sort of uh, hinted at it here, and that is a willingness to share your expertise. Uh, most visible experts, when you scratch the surface, they're really teachers at heart, not teachers at the, you know, necessarily that they want to be a university professor or, or, uh, or an elementary school teacher, but they have that uh, passion for sharing their expertise 
by helping people understand these complicated techniques. They, uh, they make them simple and easy to understand. And we find that that's one of the key characteristics of individuals, that they not only care about this area, but they're willing to share that expertise. They have a passion for it. And as you say, that once a couple of them get together, it's geek out time, you know? You love it. You know, the 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 passion with the right people just takes it to whole new levels. In my experience with you, ideas start to occur as we're talking. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, it, it just continues on and on. Uh, step three, please. Well, at step three, uh, then we have the discipline to create and follow a plan. Uh, Now, you may have the enthusiasm for your subject matter, and you may be willing to share, but if you don't uh, create a plan, it's very hard to become a visible expert. Because one of the quotes that I really liked from one of the experts was, he said, you can't be a visible expert by just writing one article or just giving one speech. That's not how it works. I wrote a white paper once. (laughs) I wrote a white paper once, and why is the world not knocking on my door? (laughs) So it's a a discipline of consistently doing something, even on those days when you don't want to, even on those days when you're busy with something else, uh, that discipline to follow through with that. And if you are inclined to do that, uh, to follow that plan, uh, you can dramatically reduce the amount of effort and time it takes to become a visible expert. Let me ask you a question about the, the processes at your office. So you've got a couple of really, really smart people, several really smart people in there, uh, not just Liz and, and Carl, but several others. Do you guys set aside any time you know, on a regular basis, once a week for a brainstorm lunch or something, just free form? Uh, we do set aside time for those very things. Uh, we also set aside time for kind of systematic training and sharing of information. Uh, so we'll, we'll have uh, regular training sessions where uh, one of our people will share something about a topic area. Uh, that they're focused on or something. And this has the benefit of getting giving internal people more reps at kind of presenting things and so forth, and also helping other people learn about new emerging areas that they might not be aware of otherwise. So I think you can build in those things that really help accelerate that. Uh, the other thing is, you know, the expectation and the support of people for uh, things like, uh, you know, speaking engagements and uh, all of the uh, uh, blog writing and so on and so forth. Not, not everyone has the same skill level to start with. So you need to be able to support some people to get them to the place where they can express themselves and get comfortable doing that. That is an excellent point. You know, I've been speaking in the government market since the late 80s early 90s and i'm i'm pretty good at it but when i'm doing a new presentation i do have some people that i like to at least share my powerpoint with and say you know does this make sense is the flow right i am a very confident and competent speaker 
but there's still that doubt. Is this the right message for this audience? Well, you know, I, I think that really that's what makes one a competent and capable speaker of a willingness to look at what you're doing and try to improve it. And, uh, you know, that's what we see in visible experts. They're always trying to improve things. They're trying to improve the quality of their presentations, uh, the quality of the insights they have. The, they love the questions, especially if it's a question they've never gotten before. And it's a particularly challenging question. Uh, because it forces them to think and it pushes them forward in terms of their understanding. So, uh, you know, I never met a question I didn't love. <laughs> I, I I agree. And even if I can't answer it, I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, I don't know the answer, but let me ask some people that I know and we'll get back to you and we'll get back to you soon. So I never mm-hmm. let that die. There's yep. one more step in becoming an expert and it ties right into this. That is the confidence to take a position on something. Uh, Being a visible expert is not for the faint of heart sometimes because you will have insights that almost by definition, they go against what is common practice. If it's not going against common practice, it's probably not a true insight and it's probably not something that's really going to move the field forward. But it, it takes guts sometimes to tell people what they don't want to hear. Uh, and that's what you'll see. We've had one visible expert. I, I think she expressed it so uh, nicely when she said, you know, I, it's our job to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And that, I think, kind of sums up what the role of a visible expert is a lot of times uh, sometimes they're, you know, they're conveying bad news and sometimes they're conveying good news, but oftentimes it's news that is counter to what people were expecting or counter to the beliefs that they've already had. Uh, and, you know, it takes a little bit of confidence to do that. And of course, you know, when you've been doing it as long as you or I have, you know, you know, a few hundred reps and you get that confidence. But the very first time you had to tell a CEO that his idea was a bunch of baloney, uh, you know, it it, uh, takes some guts. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center. We're discussing the Visible Expert Revolution, which is available on Amazon. I'm discussing this with my friend and Visible expert Lee Fredrickson will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with my friend Lee Fredrickson, uh, co author with his uh, two partners, Elizabeth Haar and Carl Feldman, of The Visible Expert Revolution. It's a short read, it's an easy read. There's some great vignettes in there. There's uh, three major uh, experts that he uh, he highlights and three others that he references as well, uh, including me, uh, for which I am eternally grateful. Let's go on to the next part here, claiming a niche, claiming your niche. Details. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the key things is what am I an expert in? How do you answer that question? And for uh, some people, it's very easy. They've already, they're at that point in their career where they have a niche. They've got it well identified and, and, and uh, 
well on the way. But for many people, it's kind of a tricky thing. It's how broad do I go? How narrow do I go? What if I want to change my niche later on? How, you know, how do I go about doing that? And what we recommend is uh, when you're considering it, take into account uh, a number of things that uh, help you figure out, is this niche going to work for me? You know, first of all, is it large enough to, you know, support a, a career? And on the other hand, is it not so large or so diverse that uh, it's too crowded? So you're looking for that Goldilocks uh, a niche. And is it relevant to your audience, uh, what you're trying to focus in? Is this something that your audience really cares about? And interestingly, are there other experts who are operating in this area? And that tells you that there's a need for it and that there is probably enough of an audience here. And uh, finally, do you have something that is a novel approach or something new to say about that? Because you could have a niche that seems perfectly fine, but you really don't have much to say or much to add to it. So if you take these kinds of criteria and you look at sort of your possible niches, what we find is for most people, it sort of settles out into, if not one niche, uh, a, a relatively small number for them to consider. Uh, and that allows you to do a little bit of researching of that niche to see if your assumptions about that niche are accurate. And uh, if they are, then you've claimed your niche. You've claimed your area that you want to focus on. You've laid it out carefully, but it's not as easy as it appears. So there's a, there's a variety mm -hmm. of factors in here, particularly is it an occupied niche and how occupied? Mm -hmm. um, that That's, you know, my area of expertise is marketing to the government. Gee, is there other people that do that? Yeah, a couple of thousand, pretty easy, and I, I know a lot of them. Uh, let's talk about the five styles of expertise for a few minutes, actually several minutes, if you will. Sure. Well, one of the things that we uh, we learned from this is that there are different styles of being an expert. There are different ways of being an expert. So, for example, uh, you can be the kind of person who really likes to consume information and likes to talk to people. And so you accumulate a lot of information and you sort of sort through what's the best information there, kind of what's the best of the best. That would be an example of what we would call a curator. That's someone who looks across a broad area and really finds the best of the best. And if that is your personality, if that is kind of what you're already inclined to do, then being that kind of a visible expert makes it much easier. Uh, when, if you contrast that to someone, if you were a natural curator, but you felt like the only way to be an expert is to come up with new original thoughts that no one else has had, you'd be in misery. <laughs> you'd be struggling all the time because that's not who you are as a person. So I think that's the insight here by, by understanding who you are as a person 
and what styles work for you, you can help uh, really supercharge your ability to be an expert. You want to talk a little bit about some of the styles here? Uh, yeah, I, I do want to talk about the styles a lot. So the uh, the most common style, and this is about, uh, represents about a little under half of visible experts, about 45, 46% of them are what's called a bridge builder. Uh, and that is someone who has experience in one area, one discipline, but they see some specific applications of another discipline and they bring that discipline into theirs and they build a bridge between those two disciplines. So uh, uh, to give you an example of that, uh, one of our experts that we profiled in the book uh, was someone who really, uh, his name is Carl Elefante, and he really had focused on sustainability was his area of focus, uh, as in uh, environmental sustainability and so forth. And he uh, met a company that was focusing on historical preservation, uh, the preservation of older structures and older building for their historical benefit. And what he did was brought those two fields together and, you know, created the concept of the greenest building is one that's already built of how you use those two things together. Uh, This eventually landed him as the chairman of the American Institute of Architects uh, and, you know, a leader in his profession by bringing these two areas together. And that's what a bridge builder does. And there are a lot of examples of that. The next one, the next most common, and this is what we call the laser, laser focus. And this is about 40%, 41% of uh, visible experts fall into this category. And this is someone who, uh, across a broad area, they pick one part of that and they really focus in on that particular section of it, that particular use of it. Uh, So some examples of that, uh, we have some, uh, a number of people in the book that we looked at who uh, kind of looked at both technology and like the financial area, accounting and financial services and technology. Well, one of the experts picked one particular kind of uh, transaction that firms do a lot of uh, and focused in only on that particular use of the technology for that particular function. That would be a laser focus. They know an awful lot about a very small topic. We had another visible expert who knew uh, was one of the world's leading experts in folding things, how things folded together. He, by the way, was also a, uh, a origami artist and a mathematician. Uh, but, you know, sometimes people need to fold things together. Like when you're doing a uh, space telescope or something where the solar panels have to unfold out in space. Okay, who knows how to do that? Well, there is the world's leading visible expert on how to fold things. Wow. That's a niche. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) It's a niche, but it's a whole career. (laughs) True. What's the first mover? Uh, The first mover 
is uh, that's that person. We all know someone like this who has to be the first one to uh, try a new technology. They're comfortable. They live on the bleeding edge of technology. Uh, they want to be the first one out there. They want to be the first one to have that idea uh, and to in, involve it and perfect examples of, of that all around, especially in the technology area. A lot of first movers in that area. Yeah, especially now with AI coming to the fore. Indeed, indeed. And then finally, we have the contrarian. And the contrarian is the person who uh, likes to look at things from a different perspective. When all the world is saying, you know what, this is the way to do something. They're the one that says, are you sure? What about if we do it the opposite way? What would, what would the effect of that be? Now, the interesting thing is, you know, we're complex people. And so no one person is generally just one of these. You tend to have one that you're primarily one thing, but you also have some spice of the other uh, that is uh, factored in usually. So you can be a first mover and a little bit of a contrarian. But that is going to kind of determine how you go about being a visible expert. And if you follow what you do naturally uh, with the areas you're really interested in, you're going to find that this whole thing goes so much faster and so much easier. That by aligning who you are as a person with who you are as a professional, it just removes a lot of friction. Well, it removes a lot of friction. But the the other thing, we we did talk about curation earlier, being a curator. But I know in the book that you mentioned that there's crossovers too. people who who meld laser with curation or bridge building with contrarian uh, or whatever. These are the five major things that you found, but uh, you don't have to fit in just one. You can straddle. That's right. That's right. And I think the key here, Mark, is understanding, you know, kind of understanding who you are and understanding where your natural strengths are so you can build on those. Cool. We're going to take a break. I'm talking with Lee Fredrickson, author of The Visible Expert Revolution. Go to Amazon, buy the book. Uh, we'll return right after this. Welcome back to Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with my friend Lee Fredrickson, the author of, or the co-author of The Visible Expert Revolution with uh, Elizabeth Haar and Carl Feldman. Number one, you know, just great book, Lee. Um, we have a couple of things that, that we want to wrap up with, the first of which is leverage research here for me. There's a okay. lot of things that, that go into this on research side. Yeah, there, there, there really are. Uh, what we have learned is that uh, research can help you in two ways. Uh, the first way is it gives you greater insight into your subject matter and your audience. So researching your audience about understanding what are their key issues, what do they really care about, uh, and also uh, what sort of uh, media do they look for? Where, where do they turn when they want advice, business advice? These things help you craft your plan. So they provide some real insight that's very actionable uh, for you to craft your plan. But the other thing that research can do is that research is also 
one of the best things that you can share as a visible expert. And whether it is your own research that you've done independently or whether it's research that someone else has done that you're sharing with your audience, what we have found out is that research is perhaps one of the most credible and one of the most shareable kinds of content. So uh, using research as part of what you're doing as a visible expert uh, is really, really helpful. It's a really helpful shortcut. And you don't need to be, uh, I mean, doing formal research is great if you have the capability. That, that's the best way to do it. But even if you don't, you can do some secondary research. You can find out what other people are saying, what other research is out there. You can uh, find that and bring that to your argument. Uh, you can even do some informal research if you're in an organization or you have a network. You can systematically act, ask the people, for example, in your business development area or in your uh, about what are the key issues that our clients are bringing to us or in uh, in uh, some of the client services area. They can might be able to tell you what are the key challenges we face in working with clients. So don't be afraid to harvest information uh, to do that research wherever you find it, whether it's informally, whether it's uh, by looking online, or whether it's by doing a piece of original research uh, on your target audience to really understand them better and what works with them. Cool. Yeah, most of my research has, personal research has been experiential. Front lines, uh, reactions to what I write, feedback. And uh, mercifully, I have a a group of people that I meet with twice a week for at least 30 minutes, uh, our ideation group. Um, If you're interested, if you're a federal marketer, it's a great place to get some ideas. Join us. Send me a note on LinkedIn. I'll send you the link. But let's talk about the, the individual consultant versus the expert who is in a corporation. There's a lot of difference here in mm-hmm. what you can do and how you can do it and how you're used. So take it away. Right. Well, you know, the individual expert, of course, has the uh, benefit of uh, they can do pretty much whatever they want to do in terms of, uh, their topic area and so on and so forth, but often lack the support. So in many ways, the individual uh, only has, and this is not a small thing, but only has a challenge of how do I get all of this accomplished? You know, how do I, I'm just one person. How do I get it all done? That's their main challenge. Uh, Generally though, within a corporation, someone who is trying to be a, a visible expert there often has the challenges of what will they let me do? What will they let me get by with here? How much can I start expressing my opinion? Can I, can I start to use social media? Can I start a blog? Can I do this? Can I do that? Uh, and that sometimes, I think corporations don't realize the value of this. It's as though they have this very, very valuable resource at their disposal uh, but uh, many of them don't realize what they have and they don't realize the benefits of encouraging some of this. I mean, it's, uh, it is not uh, a 
huge program or a very expensive kind of thing to help a few visible experts on their path, uh, to help them make sure they're started right, that they have the tools they need to be successful, they have the support they need. Uh, and when we've seen this in, in corporations, it does two things. Number one, it really energizes their business development efforts. Uh, the business development department loves it because they have new original content that they can take to the client base. They have new insights they, they can take. So it's very helpful for business development. But the other thing it does is it's helpful with recruiting and retention uh, because we've had a number of clients who've done this. And what they see is they start to all of a sudden get more candidates of a higher quality because they know that by going to this corporation, they can get the support for their career. They can get the help to become more visible. Uh, And that's a tremendous motivator for for some folks. So uh, I I think that that's the, uh, if there's anything that's a takeaway, it's this tremendous value, this hidden talent that many corporations have, uh, and they may have many people who are interested in becoming visible experts, but they don't know because they've never asked them. They've never looked at it. So they don't realize that they have all of these uh, uh, potential uh, really business developer superstars who are just waiting to be tapped. Lee Fredrickson, thank you. The book is The Visible Expert Revolution. Please go to Amazon now. Do yourself a favor and buy this. I guarantee not only will you have fun reading it, you will learn, but it'll help you regardless of where you are in your career and probably regardless of what you do for a living. So pick it up, make it part of your library, ebook, softcover, and hardcover. Um, again, Lee, congratulations on this. Thank you so much, Mark. This is not my day job. One of the things that we've talked about here is, is how things change in the market. And I've been marketing to the government for 40 years now, and I have evolved from the direct mail guy to the social networking guy. So if you're having issues with LinkedIn, if your team is not optimized on LinkedIn, if your BD people and salespeople aren't generating enough leads from LinkedIn, if you're not branding your company properly, give me a call. MarkAmtower at gmail.com. You can find both Lee and I on LinkedIn. I suggest you do so. Uh, And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off-Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.